Audrey Atkinson, and I've been going to NBC for about 16 years. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the statue of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by crafting, craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Eden. Hey there, my name is Lindsay Norman. I have been at Mansfield um, Bible Church for over a year, and I've been serving at the Central Hub for just a couple of months. Um, I absolutely love it. It's a great way for me, actually, every week to know what's going on at Mansfield Bible Church. And the one of the things that I actually really love about it with serving in general at the Central Hub is I get to see almost everybody who walks through the door on a Sunday morning. I get to greet them, I get to help them, um, I get to serve them, and I, help, I get to help them connect to opportunities that they might be interested in. If you are thinking about serving at the Central Hub, one of the benefits that I find is that I actually get to know what's going on at the church when I serve at the Central Hub. It allows me, a good way for me and my family to plug in, but it also um, allows me to be able to better connect others to the church as well. And then it just creates a really awesome community here at Mansfield Bible. So if you're thinking maybe the Central Hub is a great place for me to serve, um, let's get you connected. To hear more information, we'd love to help you. serving in the children's ministry for about 13 years now and anywhere from newborn babies all the way to pre-k and I have loved it and it's because you get to see kids grow and evolve and love coming to church and so building that foundation early on to me is so important with kids and so that's really why I serve is just to love on them and to tell them about Jesus. If others wanted to serve, I would definitely say you need to do it. Your heart is going to be filled every single day. You're going to walk away from church feeling so full of love because these children, all they have and all they know really is how to love and to be loved. And so you're being Jesus for them, loving on them and giving them that opportunity to hear from so many different people, not just me, not just Miss Donna, but others. Um, really broadens the horizon and makes them feel good about coming to a place that's safe for them. Teaching is a big scary word, but really it's easy. If you are a believer, you know the stories that children need to hear. And so they come from your heart. They come from your brain. Yes, there's a lesson plan, but you make it real to them by living it. And so the teaching word is kind of a scary thing, but really it's not that big. It's, it's important to teach the gospel to these children, but you do it in such a way that it's so easy for them to understand. We want you to come join us down in the children's ministry. Everyone is welcome and it is needed.
ministry, right? <laughs> I love it. I love both of those. I love the worship this morning. Praise God. Amen. I mean, God is just good when he's already got us tuned in to him and understanding who he is and glorifying him, speaking of his greatness, of his great worth and his majesty and his glory. Wow, man, he's so honored to be able to, such an honor to be able to praise his name and to know him through Jesus Christ. I really thanked this morning for Allison and Lindsay sharing uh, this morning about their, where they're serving. When you walk in, you see, I don't usually like wearing t-shirts when I'm preaching, but I'm wearing one this morning. It's about find your place. And so we're starting a new theme today, uh, this week, and it's about finding your place. Where does God want to put you? Where are you going to serve? And we've got the tables out there in the lobby. You can go up and down there. There's opportunities to volunteer, to be part of the ministry here at Mansfield Bible Church, not only within the church, but locally and even globally. There's opportunities to be able to serve our God. You can go to each one of those tables. Maybe you don't really want to talk to anybody, so you see the little sign there. There's a QR code. You can Hit it, and it'll take you on our website to those places with them, some of that information about what's going on. And then all of you have a, have a card in the back of your seat uh, this morning. That's another way. Maybe you don't have time after the service, and so you can fill out a card and say, hey, I'm interested in this area to serve, and you can fill that, fill that out as well. Um, I know the T-shirts, we're, we're giving them away. If you're already serving here at Mansfield Bible Church, just kind of put your name name on there and, and where you serve, walk out there to the, just outside next to the coffee bar or the central hub and you can get a t-shirt if you sign up. They're going to give you a card and you can go down and get you a t-shirt. I'm hoping that before this is all over with over the next, this series, everybody in the church is wearing a t-shirt. You know why? Because that's God's design. Whether we like it or not, that's God's design, that all of us are part of the, of, of the body of Christ. If you don't see something out there that you kind of, man, God's been putting something on your heart you would like to see us do as a church or whatever, go to the Central Hub. They can, they can help you. The reason serving is so important is because that when we serve, we grow in Jesus. If our, if our vision statement for Mansfield Bible Church is that we would learn to follow Jesus, that we're just a group of people learning to grow in Jesus, to follow Jesus. If that's the case, part of that is serving in Christ, serving Christ, because when we serve, we learn to follow Him. Uh, it's been such a powerful truth in my life. Uh, last week, I shared a picture of back in my hiking days and with that youth group, and that was right as I was kind of breaking away from all of athletics at the school, at my public school, because because I was, in, I was involved in things I didn't need to be involved in. And I realized I needed new friends. If I'm, gonna, if I'm gonna grow in Christ, if I'm gonna seek God, I needed to have the right friends around me that would encourage me to grow in Christ. So I remember I, I kind of quit doing athletics there and I started going to this, little, this church just down the street. We were projects, kind of a, a poor area, but we were right close to a highway and we had a very wealthy church set on the highway. So I would walk down there to that church where when I started driving, I got to drive down to that church and I remember popping into the youth group and a lot of the kids didn't even want to talk to me. One kid that did, his name was Dave Matthews. Um, he was a guy that kind of reached out to me and he said, hey, Greg, we have a flag football team. He knew I was enjoyed athletics and he said, hey, why don't you come to our flag football team? So I remember going up to the 
up to the park that was close to my house and started, you know, playing with them. I was playing flag football. We were a church league and we were playing other churches and, and, on, and, and so on. And it was about two or three weeks in. I remember one night I was kind of walking away, heading home, and, and Dave yells, hey, Greg. I said, yeah. He said, you coming to church tonight? And I went, oh, yeah. Uh, what's going on at church? And he looked at me and goes, church? We were a good Southern Baptist church. We had Sunday morning services, Sunday night services. And I was like, oh, you do the same thing at night you did that morning? Yeah. Why don't you come? And I was like, hmm, I don't know. You know, so I remember I go home and I thought, you know, there's no reason I can't. I'm just hanging out at the house and I need these friends and went and we're hanging out, uh, went to the service and a lot of the students uh, sat together. And I did that about two or three weeks and all of a sudden, this guy got up, his name was Dave Beatty. God has used Dave in my life, he's still in ministry. Um, Dave, Dave made an announcement, we need help in children's ministry. And I went, hmm, I think I could do that. Now I want you, to, I don't know if I can draw this picture. I wasn't the kind of guy that you let hang around your kids, okay? <laughs> Especially children, you know? And I remember after the service, I went and found him, I didn't know his name, but I said, I walked up to him, I said, hey, I wanna help with the children's ministry. And I, you know, I, and there's so many ways over the years that, you know, you learn to go, you know, give an answer that's kind of, you know, right. And you kind of say thanks, but no thanks, you know. Dave didn't do that. Dave looked at me and he said, all right, he said, be here next week. I'll find a place for you. I, th I think he probably thought I would go home and go, what did I just do? You know, and I wouldn't show up. And they, well, I showed up. And he said, here, he put me in one of his better teachers. So I went in there and I started handing out papers and, and just helping organize and, didn't, you know, I did that. I just showed up every Sunday whenever we were in town. I showed up every Sunday, and I did that every Sunday for almost two years. And after two years, I'll never forget, I probably was out, just graduated or graduated from high school. And I remember Dave walked up to me, and he said, hey, I need a teacher. Can you teach? And I'm thinking, well, I've been watching this lady teach for two years. I think I could do that. And so I started teaching children. And I loved it, man. I loved those kids. I in fact, two of the kids that was in that group, I'm still connected to to this day. God just does that. He's so amazing the way he connects us together. But anyway, sorry about that. And so I began teaching. I did that for about a year and a half, and there was this church in Boulder. We, I grew up in Denver. There was a church in Boulder, and our church was paying off their debt. They were closing down. And so we sent our, my old youth pastor and then they sent this other friend I had, and they came to me, and they said, well, you do the children's ministry in this church. Yeah, I think I could do that. So we all went up to this church in Boulder, and it was a blast. I mean, God was just good. There was a lot of complaints. People complain, you know, if you're in, you're in leadership. I mean, that just kind of happens. You got to learn to just, hey, stay focused. What has God called me to? God called me to teach these children about Jesus. That's all I knew. I, hadn't, I had no education about Bible. I hadn't gone to a Bible college and never done any of that. Here I am leading this children's ministry in this church in Boulder and just, you know, trusting God. And there was plenty of people that tell me how to do it better. And some of them were right. Some of them weren't. And some of them I was just hard-headed and I didn't listen to them. You know, just all those kinds of things that go on. And I did that for about, I don't know, about a year, maybe a year and a half. And I, and I remember one morning, then our youth pastor, who was the pastor at this little church, his name was Pepper. And I remember what we did is they had a parsonage, and he and his wife, and his, he had two kids at the time, were living upstairs, and they built us a couple rooms downstairs. And so we had a place to stay, me and this other guy. And, 
And so I remember one night, one morning, it was a Sunday morning, he, his wife opens the door and yells down, hey, Pepper's sick, one of you all got to preach. And my buddy looked at me like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought, oh, I've been reading my Bible, I could talk about it, sure, I'll preach. And i never forget, I got up and, you know, in a, about an hour or two of preparation, which, by the way, it takes more than that, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> I know people just think, what do you all do for an hour? You know, only preach an hour a week. What do you do the rest of the week? That's always been the accusation of pastors, right? There's a lot more. I always say, hey, come follow me for a week. Uh, you'll find out. But nevertheless, so I went up there and I preached and, um, you know, got done. And some people said, you know, Pat, Greg, you did pretty, you know, pretty good job. Good job. Good job. There was this godly lady that I loved her. She was a prayer and she came out and was walking down the aisle. She had a walker. She's with Jesus now. She's walking, and I saw her come, and I went walking up to went to reach, shake her hand, and she brought her hand up, but she didn't shake my hand. She stuck her finger in my face, and she said, you get yourself in, the, in a Bible college, you learn the word, and you learn how to preach. So it's like, did I do really bad, or did you see potential? I don't know which, you know? But by that fall, I was in Bible college, and here I am today. Because someone said they needed help, and I didn't, I didn't know. I just stepped out and trusted God. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about finding that place. Because I'm such a believer that if you're not serving, you're missing out in your relationship with God. I mean, we're really good about piling on knowledge, right? And we can kind of judge everything. But if we're not serving, we're not growing. We're not getting the heart of God. It's when you go and you go along somebody and you struggle with them. When you, when you feed the poor, when you, when you teach the word and you help someone grow in Jesus and they get excited about their faith. It's in those moments you realize, wow, I couldn't have done any of that. It's God, it's Jesus in me. And I want to challenge you this morning. I do not want to guilt you. I pray, God, this isn't about guilt. This is about teaching your people about the importance of serving because when they serve, they will grow in Christ. And not only will they grow, but it's the best thing for the maturation of the church because I believe that God's designed the body, the church, to function in unity and to function in purpose for the maturation of the church. And if we don't understand that, we will always be limited. I will even go as far as to say, and I don't make a lot of different kind of world, well, I guess sometimes I do, but a lot of different kind of statements about the world. But I think one of the problems in the church today in America is that the church is not mature. And we get tossed about, and the church isn't serving. The church is about what I'm doing. And the church fits in, the activities and the serving of God fits into all of our busy schedule and we figure out places instead of making our pursuit and our desire about him. Yeah, I know, I quit preaching and went to meddling, but that's all right. <laughs> Go to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. In Ephesians chapter four, Paul's in prison. And he writes to them, he just spent three chapters in the, book of, in the book of Ephesians, that's why I love Paul's argumentation. In the first three chapters, he's been talking about doctrine. He's been talking about what we believe. He's been talking about the gospel. 
You know what, dear people of God, we just finished a series on the five solas last week. And what were we talking about? We were talking about the gospel. We talked about the truth of God's word and it being our final and highest authority. We talked about Christ. There's no other name under heaven by which people can be saved. There's none. We talked about, we talked about grace, that Jesus came and he brought grace. And we talked about faith, that we are justified by faith. And then we talked about to the glory of God, the glory of God alone, we exist for his glory and we approach him in humility. We talked about these great truths that are a result of the gospel, that when Christ rose from the dead, he was our victor and he brought us life and he, and he brought us all of these blessings that we have in the gospel. Now, how do we live as a result of those things? And Paul begins that in chapter four of Ephesians. When he says, I, a prisoner of the Lord, what I urge you, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your call, a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called. In other words, Paul's saying, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of that which you have been summoned to. That God has summoned us out to the gospel, that we would receive the gospel into our lives. And now in light of the gospel, we are to conduct ourselves in a certain way. And he begins to lay it out here. He talks about with all humility and gentleness. These are sometimes difficult words God has, God has had to work in my life about. Humility, you know one of the realities about humility is humility always promotes unity. When you, when you approach God, you approach him with humility, don't you? You don't approach him, with, approach him with pride. You approach him with humility. When you approach the people of God, when you approach others, you approach with humility. If God has delivered them, if God has died for them because they're, they're precious to him, then we should approach with humility. You know what pride brings? It always promotes disunity because pride is about me. Pride is about what I've accomplished. Pride is about what I want to attain. And the reality is God hasn't called us to ourselves. He has called us to him and to his body. And we need to understand that, that we approach with humility. It says gentleness. It literally means meekness. We're power under control. If you picture a horse that is, is so powerful, but yet under control, under the, un, under the guidance of the rider, that there's such power there. It's the same picture that we, we respond to others in gentleness. I'm still learning this. I believe I will learn until Jesus comes or I take my last breath. And I, I'm, I'm joyous that God's gonna continue to grow me in this. That we respond to others, even the next word, with patience, that we respond in gentleness and control because even though I know the truth, it doesn't mean I have to slam somebody with the truth. It means in gentleness that we teach one another. In gentleness we respond to one another. With patience, oh, I wish that was a word wasn't in the scriptures, but it is. Not easily provoked or blazed up in anger, doesn't strike back. So many times I want to respond so quickly. It's something God is continuously teaching me. Bearing with one another in love, it means to endure, to hold on, hold up to bear with in love. In love is this idea of the fruit of the Spirit. When you have yielded yourself to the Spirit of God, when you're walking after Him, 
then the fruits of the Spirit become evident in your life. And one of those fruits of the Spirit is love. That we begin to respond to each other in love. Um, I'm always amazed. And I'll, I'll just say this. Let me. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know how else to say it. But I'm just amazed how often we in the church, we just cut each other off. We hold grudges. We... we we look at people in a certain way. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we have to be honest. We have to speak with, with one another. But that doesn't mean we have to hate each other and we have to cut off from each other. We are the family of God. We are his people. So when misunderstandings happen, we need to show love. When unkind actions happen, we show gentleness. When cunning words are said, we, we endure in love. Why? Look at the very next phrase, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That word there, eager, means to be diligent, to make every effort. It's the idea of a determined effort. And the word maintain means to guard, guard something which is in one's possession. Now think what I just said. To guard something we already possess. And what is that, the unity of the spirit? Why? Because the spirit of God dwells in us. How many times you hear me talk about we are the people of God. We're God's people. We're a family. The joy of coming together and learning to follow Jesus is that as a family, there are times when we go through difficult times with one another, but it should never keep us from expressing love and concern towards one another. Never. I always say, you hang around me long enough, I'll tick you off. I'm pretty sure I will. It happens. But that doesn't mean that I don't care, I don't love, you, shouldn't, you should care and love about me and that we can't grow together. Cutting one another off and cutting out people in the, in the, in the church, that is not of God. It's not. It's not. It's hanging on to our own hurts and our own pride and our own things. We have to grow in that. And we have to be eager and determined to maintain that which has been given us in the unity of the spirit, what in the bond of, the, of peace, that the church is in unity by the Holy Spirit, working peace in our lives by the grace of God. That is God's design. That's why Paul goes on in verse, in verse four, and he says in verse, verse four, there is one body, understand that, there is one body, that those who receive Christ in their life, there's one body, there's one church, and that God works in what he's bringing about. One body, one spirit, the spirit of God that dwells within us, just as you were called to what? One hope, the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, one hope that belongs to your call, that he just told us that we have to walk in a manner worthy of. One Lord, Jesus Christ, thank God for him, that he is a righteous king, a righteous Lord. One faith, that body of doctrine that we hold in regards to faith. When I laid out those five solas, it wasn't so we can go fight everybody. It was just so we know who we are, that we know where we stand, that we're not tossed to and fro that he's going to talk about in a minute. So we stand in the truth of the body of truth that we hold. One baptism, we are baptized into the body of Christ, one God, one Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Amen, amen. We are united by him. The example are these things that Paul talks about in the unity of the body. 
Then in verse seven, what Paul does is he moves from just the body as a corporate body and he kind of moves individually. Because when I read verses one through really six there, I kind of look at it and go, is this possible? (laughs) You know, I'm always praying, God, teach me these things, right? But is this possible? Is this possible? And Paul says in verse seven, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. I love that statement because it says several things there. One is that grace has been given to each one. Everyone in here this morning who knows Jesus Christ and receive him in their life, you've been given grace. Did you know that? The grace in which we operate. But Paul goes on and describes it as each one of us has been given. It's a measure of Christ's gift. A lot of times we refer to these as spiritual gifts in the scriptures. And Paul's describing this, that each one, every believer, is given grace according to the measure of Christ in order to do what? To function within the body. In fact, if we go into chapter 3, verses 2, and even verses 7 and 8, we'll see where Paul describes that he's been given this grace, this measure of grace, of God's grace to what? Minister to the Gentiles. That's what God was doing through him. He knew and understood what he was supposed to be doing. And so when we look at verses 8, 9, and 10, it describes a victor who is Christ, who ascended and then descended in the sense of, or descended then ascended, and it's a picture of him coming to the earth, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that he is our victor in that he gave us life and death. He conquered death. He conquered sin. In the Old Testament, when a king would go off and he would conquer a nation, he would take the spoils of what he had conquered and he'd bring it back and he would give it to the people. And the picture here is what Christ has done is he has conquered for us a victory whereby he has given us life and now he's given us gifts. He's given us grace. And these things are to be operating within the function of the body. And he lists some of these gifts in verse 11. And he gave some, <clears throat> excuse me, and he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. I always like buckles. He always, he always, whenever I talk about list of spiritual gifts, he goes, it's 12, 12, 4, 4. If you've ever been around him, you probably have heard it. 12, 12, 4, 4. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Easy to remember, huh? Yeah, there's a list. There's a list of gifts within the scripture. What is my gift? I, you know, that's a good question for you. All I would tell you to do is go start serving and God will do that. That's what I did. I just served with the children. You know what? I found out I really liked it. You know what I found out I enjoyed even more was teaching. I love to see the light on a child's face when he realizes something about God that he hadn't known in it before. I love to see the light come on in somebody who had never understood a particular truth in the scriptures and they realize how it applies to their life and they get excited about Jesus in their life. That's amazing, it's amazing. And so as you begin to do, you begin to realize. And so I would love to deal with all the gifts, but we don't have time this morning. So the idea is that God has given us, or Christ has given us grace to function within the body of Christ. Understand that. And what did he say? Each one. So what are we to do? What is the purpose of these gifts? Verse 12, it says to equip the saints. That word equip is often used in repairing or mending nets. It's the idea of restoring nets to their original use. 
And I believe God gave these gifts specifically, these ones in verse 11, the idea of the teaching the word, but spiritual gifts, he's given them to us. He's given us an endowment in which we can can serve within the body and an enablement that we are able to serve within the body. And the purpose is that we would be equipped for the ministry. We would be restored back. Because you know, Greg, before he knew Christ, I didn't do anything that God had designed me to do. After Christ, God has been working in my life to make me more and more like his son, to restore me back to what he has intended when he created me. And so it's a picture that we use these gifts to restore one another, to equip one another that we might, we might be able to do what? For the word, next phrase says, for the work of the ministry. The idea is that gifted people ministering the word in the church so that the church in turn can be involved in the ministry to others. This is so important. That the intent of the ministry of of these gifts in our lives is to equip us to do the work. I was thinking about this week when Alan and I sat down, I said, oh, these two videos, yeah, let's, let's do these for this week. You know, seeing people that are already in ministry, one for 13 years in the children's, Seeing it going, wow, you know, I just enjoy watching these kids grow. 13 years, that means kids that she was serving with 13 years ago are now in our student ministry. What a joy to watch them grow up, to to follow after Jesus. I was thinking about other ministries that are going on here at NBC that are just blowing me away, like Operation Christmas Child. Did you know out here we have a portable, pretty much a whole portable dedicated to Operation Christmas Child? Did you know that? It's just packed full of stuff. And, and I remember a few years ago, there was a year where we didn't have anybody to lead it and we needed someone to lead it. And I, so I said, I'll just lead it this year, but I only have very limited time, you know? And so that year I led the Operation Christmas Child. And at the end of the time, we as a church, we, I think we put together around 400 boxes. We were pretty excited, 400 boxes, right? And now next year, the, Susan retired and and she goes, I'm going to take over. I was like, please, take it over. This year, our goal is 2,000 boxes. Wait, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Yeah, you can give a hand. That doesn't happen accidentally. That's because people get in and get involved, and a team of people begin to serve and see what God can do with those boxes. You can track them and see where they end up. Uh, I know a while back, we had a couple of guys say, hey, I want to build wheelchair ramps because we have a relationship with our community, specifically the cold department in our community. And so they began to build wheelchairs for those places that were people that needed one. Either their, their ramp was busting down or they needed a new one. These guys would go along and build a wheel, wheelchair the ramp and the, the city would communicate with us about the need. And we just send out to the, to the in a group meme text and the guys are going, I'll do this, I'll do this. And, they, and then it was expanded to other things where they're doing other things. We had an issue this week and, uh, to help with the Operation Christmas Child. And I think Buckles put out a message on Tuesday night. Oh, we'll do it tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. I'm like, hey, we're not, we don't even have everything together yet. Man, they showed up and they did it. Why? They're excited about serving. It's an opportunity to go into these homes and show the love of Christ. It's an opportunity to serve. 
We also look at our women's ministry. I mean, our women's ministry has so many areas of uh, where women are leading within our church. We're not talking staff. We're talking lay people in our church who are sacrificing and committing to, to sharing the word of God with women in our church. And, and they started rooted, and, 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 uh, and it's just blown. I think there's like 15 leaders this year, and about 25, 27 women that are in that in the discipleship program. Not to mention their Wednesday morning, Wednesday night. I was, I was talking to Brandy this week. Brandy was like, oh, I'm real excited about these pods because not everybody can make it on Wednesday night or Wednesday morning. And creating these groups where maybe it's two or three or four women, and it's a pod of opportunity where they can study the word together. I need help with that. It's like, man, I'm going to say something. It's exciting to see what's going on. Our praise and media team, I'm just blown away every week by our praise team. The job Ashley's been doing is she's been leading it. And just the others that are involved, our media. I mean, you look back, you look around. The, our students sometimes are back there leading the, the camera. I think we have a student directing this morning. It's exciting to watch people serve because when you serve, you grow in Christ and the body grows. Plenty of opportunities to serve. I think of the greeting team and I love the greeting team. I love seeing my new friend down here that has just started. Y'all are meeting him and he's greeting every week. I remember Adele. You need to pray for Adele. She's been in the hospital having to go to rehab lately. But remember her? She opened the door. She had a cane opening the door for able-bodied people because she wanted them to come in and hear about Jesus. I saw her at community outreach. She had a cane with a paintbrush, painting a fence. Slap. There was no slowing her down. She was going to serve Jesus no matter what. I think of, of a greeting team, what, parking lot greeters. People pull on our parking lot and they don't know which door. You've experienced that before. That's why I love to have a, like a big lobby that goes out there that says, here, come in here, right? Because we have 48 doors on this building. Which one do you choose? You know, and we need parking lot greeters to help people get to the right door. Children's ministry. Um, I just found out this morning that our kindergarten group was so big, we had to divide it. We have leaders for that, but we need, we need some other leaders in that first hour to divide that, that group that's meeting that we can make it a little smaller, more intimate as we teach God's word as well. Not to mention Awanas that has been going on, and Tim's been doing a great job leading our Awanas. Uh, students, I was just excited this week. I got to spend some time with students on Wednesday nights. I was so Glad to hear of our adult leaders who are working with your students talking about the things they need in order to grow in their faith and to be able to be mature in this world in this time. Isn't that about learning how to follow Jesus? It sure is. I love to hear it. You look around, you see them ministering, children's ministry, they may open a door, they're just, they're just serving. It's exciting. In fact, I'm looking at and seeing over the next few years, if you look at the kids coming out of our children's ministry, we're going to have a a growth in our children's ministry and our student ministry potentially over the next four to five years. We're going to outgrow those buildings. We need a solution out there. Something that's been really dear to my heart is I've been praying about and others on our staff have been praying about over time is as we end the service, we're not a church that's going to walk an aisle. We're just not. Just understand that, okay? But we need a way for people who've been moved by a message to have a place to go and to share, man, I've been praying. I've been like, wouldn't it be cool to have some people that just right here, if, you, if you've been moved and you need someone to pray with after the service, 
that there's just a group of people, maybe some students that would be here for the other students that would just be willing to be up here after the service to pray with anybody that came. We need people that would lead that to, to pray. You can go out there and talk to the Central Hub. I have somebody that I've asked to kind of lead that and we're just praying for people that would be willing to just pray with people after the service. Man, that doesn't even touch on local and global mission opportunities, Mansfield Mission Center, what it does to help people uh, take a step out to be independent in, in, in this world as they work through their, their struggles. Um, Poimia, we have a sex trafficking ministry in our community. You realize there's sex trafficking happening in our community, right? If you don't think that, you need to rethink that. Feed the kids. We have kids in our community that need to be fed, not to mention Ecuador, Tanzania, and more. If you're not involved, you know what? It's time. It's time to be involved. If you need to be equipped, then go out there to the central hub. We have Bible studies, small group, rooted. I just heard that one of the guys was getting guys together to do 2-7. There's opportunities. If you've been doing that and you haven't served, it's time. It's time. You need, the, you need the heart of God about this. That's why ministry is so important because look what it says in the very next phrase in verse 12, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the edifying, the maturation of the church. Jesus gave each one of us grace so that the body would grow in maturation. It's important to understand that. And how long do we do it? And I'm gonna read through these and we'll go really quick. Until we all attain, how long? Till we all attain. That word attain is the word that we have in the sense of, of a traveler reaching a destination. What is that destination? Right there in verse 13. To the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. You need to be learning God's word. And we need to continue to encourage. If you know God's word, you need to be involved in helping others to know God's word. To a mature manhood, or to a full-grown person that we would grow up in Christ in maturity as we talk about our spiritual walks with God. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that when we are active in the body of Christ, the church, then we grow in maturity to the fullness of Christ and the goal is to be like Christ. That's eight, Romans chapter 8, that we would be conformed to the image of God's dear son. No longer, verse 14, what, is, what does it say in verse 14? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro from the, by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That's why I say I think today with all the going back and forth and all of the things that you're hearing today, just back and forth, that to me that's a sign of immaturity, not maturity within the church. And that we as the church, we don't, we don't stand there and go, oh, they don't have it. We need to call them. We need to reach out. We need to quit being a people that look around and just go, oh, they got it all wrong. We need a people that embrace and teach the truth of the gospel that we know. It's an amazing message. It will take somebody literally from death to life. We need to be about it in the way that we live, in the way that we speak. That's what verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love. I love that, in love. There's three different times that phrase is used, in love, and we need to learn that. 
We need to live that. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. It's that idea whereby we're truthing in love, both in our life and our speech, that we're forbearing one another in every way growing up in Christ. That's what it goes on, and he says in verse 16, from, he's talking about Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is with uh, which it is equipped. And I, I just see this picture of the body. You know what the body is? The body is interconnected by the spirit of God that dwells in us. And that as we show humility to one another, as we show patience to one another, as we show love to one another and we forbear one another, and as we are gentle with one another, as we're encouraging one another, as we're teaching, as God has given us gifts to, to show mercy and grace, that we would do those things that by faith we would step forward knowing God can restore those relationships. We are interconnected in Christ. We are the people of God. We are his bride. Let us not forget that. It isn't about us and them down the street. We are his people. We stand on the truth of his word and we incorporate it in our lives. And look what he says this next. When each part is working properly. What does he mean here? Each part working properly. First of all, that each one of us who are part of the body of Christ would understand the absolute importance that we have to the body of Christ. If you're not part of the body of Christ, you are hurting the body of Christ. Did you hear what I just said? If you're just here to sit on the sideline and just to take in and you're not part of serving, you're missing out. And it hurts the body because it's when each part is working together, each part, as God has graced us with gifts to, to function within the body of Christ. And so many times we allow our fears and we allow our, our, our insecurities and our inadequacies to keep us from stepping out by faith. I thank God I wasn't afraid that day to say, Hey, I'll help with the children. And I praise God even more that he didn't turn me away. It radically changed my life. Serving will change your life. When each part is working properly, the very last phrase makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in what? In love. That the body of Christ builds itself up. It encourages one another. Why do we look forward to those times when we're together? As we encourage one another, it's each of us working together to grow up in Christ, building up the body of Christ in love to the glory of the God, our Father. So as you leave today, I challenge you. I don't want to guilt you. That isn't my point. But I'm telling you as a, as a servant of God, the importance of serving God. And you need to find your place. Pray that God will use you and grow you. If you don't know where, go out and talk to some folks. Pray about it. And then just start. Just start. That's all I did. I had no clue what I was doing. I just said, hey, I'll, I'll be available. And God used it. He took that little seed in my heart and he grew me into Christ. If you're already, if you're already serving, thank you. Thank you. Praise God for you. If not, I challenge you challenge you to find a place.
Let's pray. Father God, um, Lord, I always pray, I just pray your spirit moves because to be honest, Lord, I know that my words mean nothing. I pray your spirit would move in hearts this morning, that you would speak to those, Father, who maybe have just grown comfortable and it's time to, it's time to, it's time to get involved. The work before us is unreal. I, I think of Greg right now making connections in Tanzania and potentially, uh, Father, making the connection of helping that country get a hospital, talking to a parliament me, me, member there that you met. Father, that's going to take faith. It's going to take giving. It's going to take sacrifice. It's not just a one-man job, Father. And We, as a body of Christ, we need to gain a vision, a vision of what you can do just with a group of people in this room this morning that would change Mansfield forever, but not just Mansfield, our neighbors, our friends, our family. So Father, speak to us. Tell us where we need to be. In Christ's name, amen.